Hey, Fidelity. What's it cost to invest with the Fidelity app? Start with as little as $1 with no account fees or trade commissions on U.S. stocks and ETFs. Hmm, that's music to my ears. I can only talk. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Zero account fees apply to retail brokerage accounts only. Zero dollar commission applies to online U.S. equity trades and ETFs and retail Fidelity accounts. Sell order assessment fee not included. Some account types and securities excluded. Details at fidelity.com slash commissions. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Are you tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? Well, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Just watch me love myself That's all I want Got what I want That's all I want I'm not sorry I'm Claire Fallon. And I'm Emma Gray. And this is Love to See It, an obsessively detailed recap podcast about reality dating shows like The Bachelor and other pop culture that makes us laugh, cry, and curse the patriarchy. We can't live with these shows and we can't live without them, but we can break down every juicy moment and unpack all the weird messages these shows send us about love, sex, and dating. Welcome to Love to See It, a podcast about white people who need to publicly apologize on Instagram for racism. And about white people planning extremely lavish engagement parties. The two hobbies of white people. We are back for another news and gossip episode. And despite the fact that we did one of those fairly recently, a lot has happened. I feel like Bachelor Nation has been super active. And like the bigger Bachelor Nation gets, the more they're just out there doing stuff. So we've got a lot to discuss. Doing stuff, creating headlines, some of it more fun to discuss than others. (laughs) I think we got to start with perhaps the the newsiest item and also uh, one of the darkest, I'd say. Yeah, one of the least fun to discuss. So we talked about this in our cast bios episode um, and, and touched on it in our recap. But one of the contestants on this season, Greer Blitzer, Uh, Before the season aired, it came out that she had old social media posts um, from around when she was in high school or about to graduate from high school, uh, defending blackface, defending someone who was wearing a blackface costume. Um, And there were also photos of her, you know, posed with MAGA t-shirts, wearing Trump buttons, you know, at Trump, you know, uh, election celebration parties. Uh, or, you know, appearing to be celebrating his win. So there were some very clear signs that she had sort of MAGA politics uh, yes. and and racist beliefs. I believe the most recent post that had been surfaced was from 2018, um, in which she was criticizing Hillary Clinton for comments Hillary Clinton had made about gangs. Um yeah. Which also were very problematic and had racist undertones and just like, yeah. 
I want to just say that those political views clearly didn't begin and end in 2016. Yeah. She also, in her conversation with Zach on night one, made some comments that I think a lot of people, including us, perceived as pretty coded, you know, about how culturally different New York, where she currently lives, is than Texas and how much she loves Texas and wants to go back to Texas and have a traditional family. I I did see some people referring to this as speaking in code Republican. And I thought that that was uh, astute and definitely, definitely how I read it. Yeah, which is sort of the lingua franca of The Bachelor. So it didn't feel super out of place, but it was, I think, noticeable. And so that stirred up even more the conversation about her politics. And so on Tuesday, the day after the premiere, Greer posted an apology statement to her Instagram stories so that if anyone wanted to check on that in the 24 hours it was up, they could get an apology I really got to say, y'all, if you are posting an apology on Instagram, please, at bare fucking minimum, put it on the grid. Make it stick. Do not post it amidst a bunch of like, yay, I'm on TV now, repost on your Instagram stories. Like, If you're going to apologize, at least make it full-throated. At least make it something that has a little bit more permanence. Yeah, I mean, her her tweets were so permanent that people found them years and years after they were posted. So you could do something commensurately permanent to address the sentiments in those tweets. Uh, let's, Let's get into what she said in this apology, which was specifically for the tweets defending blackface. Quote, the journey to love is filled with lessons, and these lessons are also made on our journey of growth. In my past, I have made some uneducated, ignorant, and frankly wrong comments on my social media accounts. In particular, I used misguided arguments on Twitter to defend a student who dressed in blackface as Tupac for Halloween. I am deeply sorry to those I've hurt, especially those within the black community, not because those screenshots have resurfaced, but because I ever shared these harmful opinions at all. Time and age do not excuse my actions, but this is not a reflection of who I am today. I do not stand by or condone the damaging opinions and behaviors I shared during that stage of my life and will forever regret making those offensive remarks. So, I mean, as always, this apology is not for us to white people to accept or reject. So, you know, I want to preface our conversation about it with that like we're not we're not the arbiters here um but something that stood out to me is that like she does not use the word racism Mm -hmm. in this apology Um, misguided they were misguided yeah like again if you are going to apologize for something it should be full-throated and that should include really naming in my opinion naming the harm that you've caused. And what she did was make racist statements. Yeah. Yeah, to not even be able to name racism as the harm caused, um, I think suggests that there is more work to be done to own what happened here. Um, And again, the same can be said for posting it in a story where it's not you know, clearly you don't want it to just be on your grid, like where someone can see it, like and associate you with these negative things. 
um, too bad. Like, that's how you really stand behind your apology. And uh, this is like the fastest apology I think we've seen. Um, And what that tells me is that the show wants Greer to get past this and that they have seen that not allowing contestants to respond promptly has has created a bigger controversy and has harmed them. And they don't want that to happen this time. So they gave her the quick go ahead for an apology. And she was like, sure, I'll throw one up on my Instagram stories. I mean, uh, God. Like, yeah, good. They should allow people to respond. Absolutely. Quickly, quickly and swiftly. I will also say that this conversation started before the show even aired. So I don't believe that it was such a surprise to Greer that Mm -hmm. this became a bigger story once she received the first impression rose. Yeah, they Um, they did have some time to prepare as people were not that focused on the show before the premiere, but there was like chatter building about it that hasn't kept them from sitting on their asses in the past and waiting weeks and weeks and weeks to address something. But this just to me seems like a shift in strategy by the franchise that they're trying to to handle the crisis better than they've handled it in the past. And what really concerns me is that like the speed and the contacts, like the Instagram story, it just really seems like the intention is to hopefully just sweep this under the rug as quickly as possible. Just to to get people to move past it. Right. And I, like, of course, that's what the show wants, but I don't think that that is the approach that is going to lead to actual, you know, learning and, and healing. Um, especially, you know, it's it seems very likely that Greer still holds politics that are rooted in white supremacy and white supremacy. And so there clearly is still a lot of work to be done. Like this doesn't convince me that she sees the, a deeper um the the deeper systemic issues of racism that she's been complicit in and that white people are all complicit in, but that she has actively endorsed and so it just seems like they're just trying to like get this get this over with and meanwhile she she really still hasn't like done any real education or reckoning or or making things right and i guess we're just going to see this be the template where they keep casting people either for you know controversy or by accident <laughs> i think it's probably mostly by accident i don't think they enjoy having to do this and they cast these people and then they're like, well, we'll just like brush it away as quickly as we can and yeah. not have it take down the season. Uh, <sighs> it's it continues to be depressing, of course, to watch the sh- this franchise just stumble again and again when it comes to any sort of n- not racist representation. Like it's it's. It's depressing to have to deal with this kind of story again. Um, it is, I would imagine, very challenging for the women of color, especially the black women who may have bonded with Greer during this season and then like having to be associated with a person who holds those views. I I don't know. Yeah. And look, the season was already filmed that just adds an an extra layer of 
depressing reality to engaging with the franchise. Like as as a consumer, um, it definitely feels really icky. And yeah, it doesn't seem like there's been much progress made. No. In the franchise, except with the speed of having someone post an apology on Instagram. And that's just not gonna gonna cut no. it. Um, so we'll we'll see if Greer continues to make any public effort to, you know, make things right. I I doubt it not based on what we've seen so far. My breath. Um, I assume they want this, she and the show want this to be the last time it is addressed. Um, but we will we'll see. We'll see what what happens. Should we move on to Zach himself? Zach the Snack? Let's move on. Berzaki? Let's move on to Berzaki, <laughs> our newest leading man who went on the almost famous podcast, Ben Higgins and Ashley Iaconetti's podcast. Um, rec- this was recorded, I think, and released just before his premiere. And he sort of... Oh, gosh was trying to go on a charm offensive, I think. He he discussed kind of the quote-unquote, he called it, brutal fan reaction to his casting. He's obviously very aware that people are not thrilled. Um, and Ashley was very honest that she had railed on him quite a bit <laughs> on the pod. And she and Ben had not been so excited about his casting. I love when interview <laughs> podcaster, like we don't do many interviews because we are so far down the list of priorities for ABC. They have all these like alum podcasts and in-house podcasts, but to constantly be confronting people that you have like brutally criticized, like whenever Nick or Ashley, I, or someone has to do it. I'm just like, I guess they just, you just smile and you're like, yeah, I hate you, man. But like, that's cool. We're here talking now. Let's see if we can make some magic. Yeah. And she was very much like, which I agree. She's like, I think it's the criticism is less like people thinking you're a bad person and more wondering if you're the right person for this role. And that's certainly, I think, our criticism. Like, we're not like, fuck Zach. He should go like die in a hole. It's like, no, he's just, he has a job right now. And I'm not convinced he's very good at it. Right. I listen. I too would hate to think. I shudder to think of the reactions if I were made. Oh, bachelorette. Same. Some of us just don't have it, and I don't want to hear about that. But I think it's very defensible for people to not want to watch me on television <laughs> for twelve weeks. You know, flirting and like being bad at it, and all my jokes fall flat because I'm so nervous in front of the cameras. Like, it's just. It's not that he is a bad person. It's just, is he right for this job? Right. Is he a fit? Is he a culture right. fit? We're, again, we are talking job. about a job. <laughs> and this is a job that requires charisma to do it well. That is an, a, specific, yeah. a specific kind of charisma. Yeah. That has to translate I, on television. Again, this is difficult. And I'm sure it's it's a very personal thing to get criticism. It over. sounds awful. I do not. And yeah, it sounds awful. I also think, I think we are allowed to, to air that criticism. Well, otherwise, like all of the, the all the commentary about the show would just be like, oh, I'm so excited for the new Bachelor. What a dreamboat, you know. And I sure hope he finds love. Like, we don't watch these shows in order to just. A- approve of everything. 
thing. <laughs> That's not the nature of cultural criticism. Right. But I do, I do feel very badly that this keeps happening because they are real people who are miscast and who are then put in the firing line. And wouldn't it just be better if the show cast people that everyone wanted and who were charismatic, and then we could talk about something else about the show? Right. Like, you don't have to cast a boring white man. You just, you don't. Right. You don't. You don't have Why to. Why do they feel like that's what they have to do? They really do feel yeah, that way, it seems. I, I don't know. I mean, it's Zach... Zach's line is clearly like, you know, if fans just want to watch this show for wild drama, then yeah, I'm not your guy. But if you want someone who takes this really seriously and wants to find love and you're here for the romance, you know, then I'm amazing. This is the problem. We're not saying that he's boring because he won't bring unnecessary drama. No like, one I, brings more I unnecessary, don't want drama unnecessary drama than a boring... No one brings more unnecessary drama than a boring white guy who isn't equipped because the women, like the the contestants, he doesn't have a firm hold on things with them. Right. They start mixing things up with each other. He's not sure what to do. They end up like sobbing while he just stares blankly into the distance being like, how did I end up here in this life? Like that's a recipe for unnecessary drama. Right. And then the producers have to lean on the women to stir up some sort of storyline, which is obviously not romantic because this is a very straight show where everyone's trying to find romance with Zach. So like, yeah, <laughs> every season that has gone totally haywire in the last five years or so of the bachelor has involved a white bread guy who is not there for unnecessary drama. And it takes this very seriously and just wants to find a partner all those seasons have gone totally off the rails. So I don't know why he thinks that him taking this seriously yeah, and the problem being isn't that is like a recipe for Clayton here. wasn't taking it seriously. Like I think he was. Yeah, Clayton just loved drama. That was Clayton's I'm whole like, thing. And like Clayton was had a mental breakdown because of all the drama. Like I don't think he loved it. <laughs> That's the problem. The more you love the drama, like Nick, Nick had a grasp on his season. Because he reveled in the drama enough to, like, know when to get in there and nip something in the bud or when to leverage it in a controlled way. And, like, didn't have the self-doubt of just, like, you know, sitting on decisions. He would make decisions, and so things would just end. When you're so tentative and afraid of the drama, that's when things get messy. So, yeah, I don't don't necessarily buy I'm not sure if I believe. I mean, look, (laughs) maybe I I hope, I hope that, that we don't have a bunch of really painful unnecessary drama like i i truly hope that yeah the listen they can make the season look like anything in those trailers he went through the season maybe he really feels that it did not have unnecessary drama and maybe he's right but he's not really assuaging my fears yet he also he also this sort of made me laugh he's like you know i think the audience is going to be pleasantly surprised by this season because quote there are a bunch of other facets to me. Like, what are they, Zach? Same. When more. is he going to tell us about one? When is he going to tell I us I will about say, one? I got to give credit to Ashley I. She was trying. She was, like, really throwing. She's like, we're going to find your personality. Here are some <laughs> goofy questions. Like, here are some prompts. Tell me something crazy. Like, <sighs> I mean, even 
the first episode is supposed to be a bit of a reintroduction to Zach and a showcase for him. And they could barely come up with another facet. They came up with some old facets that he had when he was in high school and they came up with frozen pizza. But like, if you have other facets that you're eager to show us, then why is, why is it that every time you, you explain who you are to someone, you're just like, I'm just a normal guy. I like football and family. (laughs) Great. We know. Tell us about your other facets already. We did learn about one other facet on this podcast. Are you talking about the pancakes? (laughs) (laughs) What else? There, I, I don't think there was another facet revealed. No, not really. <laughs> except he like, got in trouble once as a teenager. Well, Zach and I are the yeah. same. <laughs> so he eats his pancakes with mustard and syrup. I'm so disturbed. I'm so disturbed. Apparently, this is a family tradition. It is something his grandmother was very into and would like was like, no, Zach, you need to to do this. And Ashley, I was like, oh, that's weird. And then he was like, yeah, especially because we also still put syrup on our pancakes. And she was like, wait, what? Oh, you are like a full wacko. That's not even like sweet and savory or sweet and salty. It's like sweet and... It's like putting syrup on like horseradish. <laughs> like, like that yeah, kind of Yeah, it's cl- like sweet and clashing spicy, I guess. Of- flavor profiles he said look don't knock it till you try it i admit (laughs) i have not tried it so i guess i can't well i missed my chance i went out i had pancakes yesterday oh my god i should i gonna have them i should have told you you need to conduct this experiment if anyone out there has tried this you know let us know maybe i'm just being a hater i just think that when you're asked for fun facts or interests about yourself and all you can offer is a weird food combination that you like. To me, that is really indicative of having no personality. Yes, yeah, the question was not, what's a weird thing you like to eat? The question was, what's like a wacky interest of yours? And he's like, my interest <laughs> is pancakes with mustard. My <laughs> hobby is when I put mustard on my pancakes. <laughs> and shovel Poor them Zach. Into my Poor mouth Z- he really does eyes. seem like a sweet Aww. guy, but... It's just like everyone likes a weird food or two. That's not really like a personality trait or an interest. That's not going to get you very far. Like if you're on a first date with someone, what are you into? Pancakes with mustard. (laughs) Especially because it's like a family tradition. So it's not even personal to him. He did not come up with it. It's like, what's a wacky thing about me? My family has always, you know, put powdered sugar on french toast it's like what crazy i mean that's not even weird but you know it's like that's just what your family does it's not it's it's not even a personal weird taste it's not but this is a thing we learned about him so we have to share it he also said that the overall filming experience was positive and that he is absolutely happy now. So it sounds like the process worked for Zach. And you know what? That is good. I am truly grateful for that because I cannot handle another season that is extremely traumatic to watch and recap. If we're yeah. going to get a boring dude, at least just give me like, just fall in love. 
I, I can't handle I can't handle it. It would be hilarious if the season was just like a complete mess of misery and the women are just sobbing all the time and then Zach's just floating through the middle being like, dude, dude, this is so positive for me. (laughs) But still, that would be better than literally every person on screen ending up sobbing all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, He got a little bit into what happened with Rachel in the fantasy Ashley was really trying to press him on this. And I'm just going to say, he talked about it a bunch didn't really provide any details. He's like, you know, I don't want to get into the actual content of what we talked about out of respect for myself and Rachel. And I'm like, but that really seems like the only thing that would give us any insight into what went wrong. Yeah. And I think that also, I kind of want to hear more about Rachel's experience of the fantasy yeah. suite at this point. Like, I, I do think that he talked about it literally on the show. Also, this, what he said here is basically what we've heard from him. Like, again, because right, he this didn't is like add the details. party line. Yeah, he's, yeah, he was like, oh, there was a lack of communication. She treated me like a stranger. It was like I was being interviewed for a job. There was no love or feelings. Everything was rapid fire. Everything was never a good answer. I was never good enough. And it led me to feel like I was being blindsided. Um, which, like, yeah, that's just kind of what he said on the show and what he said after he got off yeah, the show. Yeah, and, like, I, I kind of want a different perspective same. at this Unless point. Unless you're going to actually tell us what you talked about. Like, I don't know. Is it that the things you were sharing about yourself were not things that she found to be compatible with her and vice versa? Yeah. Like, maybe you just had a disconnect. And maybe she was sort of grilling you because she felt like there were things she could only talk about off camera, which is not unusual. Like a lot of people who are leads have said that they've like come into the fantasy suite. I know Rachel Lindsay has talked about this with like a list of questions to go through because there's certain things about maybe it's politics, religion, finances, whatever, that you don't want to have a public conversation about that's going to be picked apart by millions of people. Like, Fair enough. Yeah. And we know because they said later that that's basically what happened with Tasha and right. Ivan, that that she talked about religion, found out he wasn't religious and that they were just completely not in sync on that. That's normal. I I do think it's possible that as he as he speculates, her heart was with someone else and she couldn't communicate that with him. But at a certain point, I'm just kind of like, what do you want? Like, she's giving you a big hint by not being that affectionate with you. Right. That so it's actually, not you. you did. So that's know. your, you actually, that's your heads you up. You knew that it was done once you experienced that. And I yeah. do understand that it could be a very jarring experience to sort of get off camera with someone and be like, wait, I th- thought we had all of this chemistry and connection and it just feels like it's not there. But that doesn't necessarily mean this person is, like, conspiring against you or has an ulterior motive. Like, sometimes, also, that just happens. Like, in the real world, like, you, like, things are chugging along and then, like, the vibe shifts. Like, that just happens sometimes when you're dating someone. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I would really need to be there. Exactly. To know what's going on, but. Bring um, the cameras into fantasy suites. (laughs) Yeah. I. Just kidding. I would feel more for him if he didn't seem. To feel so badly for himself. And bitter at her. Like, it's it's sort of (laughs) shady the way he talks about Rachel and, like, the fact that he continues to clearly have a 
chip on his shoulder about it. Like I almost would expect him to be like, yeah, at the time it felt really, you know, like an abrupt shift and that really sucked. Um, but you know, I've been through the process now. I understand how hard it is to be the lead and I have a lot more empathy for her. Like, but there is none of that. It was just like, I like, you know, I'm always wondering if people are just there for clout. I'm dying to see how perfectly he handles fantasy suites because like, obviously Rachel was having a bit of a reaction to her fantasy suites and the sense that what happened with her is that she had an incredibly romantic intimate night and was told, I love you. And like had sex and was like, this is it. Like, and then she actually did get blindsided and she clearly did not want that to happen on her season. And so she withheld and it didn't. And like, maybe, yeah. And maybe that's hard too. Like, here's the thing. I just think it's hard. Yeah, I'm I listen, I'm desperate to see what his perfect strategy was for getting through fantasy suites, both being romantic with everyone and also not blindsiding them. I guess we will have to it's just an, wait and see. <laughs> it's just an unhealthy situation. So let's let's talk about Jesse Palmer and Chris Harrison. <laughs> the reactions to Chris Harrison. So we taped our gossip pod where we talked about Chris Harrison's first couple episodes before the real reactions had started to flood in and it stirred up, it stirred up a fair amount of, uh, a conversation. Because Chris did, as we, as we talked about, did a lot of talking and expressed some like bitterness at, you know, everyone who was in the running basically for, to replace (laughs) Everyone who didn't, everyone who didn't call him and say, Chris, I support you. It's so wrong what they're doing to you. (laughs) You're a victim. And also I would never, ever take your job. Because that's your yeah. job. No one else could ever have this job because it's yours. No one else could fill those shoes. But I think actually what surprised me initially was that the big news item was that Chris said on the pod that he thought Wells would and should be his replacement. And I was like, yeah, I guess that... I mean, I feel like that shows just like how not piping the tea was. <laughs> that that was the big yeah, takeaway no, I kept seeing There was no around. big takeaway, except that he <laughs> did wasn't. take like little jabs at, at like yeah. Nick. Yeah, well, he's like, well, should have been the host, but all these people, all these other people smelled, smelled blood in the water and were gunning for my job. And I made these people. Uh, I don't know why Wells was exempt for that. Uh, so Jesse Palmer with my favorite reaction. Guys, Jesse Palmer really just rising, rising in my book. (laughs) He was asked by Variety about Chris's comment that Wells should have gotten the job. And Jesse said, quote, I have not heard the podcast at all, but knowing how much Chris is into pop culture, I think that's an awesome platform for him. So yeah, unfortunately I just haven't heard too much obsessed with this I response. love it. It is classic damning with faint praise. And he's basically calling it a hobby. Yeah, he's like, oh, he's that's like, so, I know Chris that's loves so pop nice culture. for Chris to have a platform. Good job. It's so cute that he has, he's able to still like talk, maintain his interests. Yeah. <laughs> it's so oh, nice that he's staying active in the it's community. It's so perfect because he says not one bad thing about him. And yes, and yet this feels like such perfect shade. 
I can't get over the phrase knowing how much Chris is into pop culture. Same, that's my favorite line. It really makes it. And also just like I have not listened to one second of this podcast. So how can I really yeah. comment? Also, like, obviously, because the podcast isn't really about pop culture. It's about relationships. I don't even actually know what the podcast is about because after we listen he to those said first it's going two, to be about relationships. I 100% will not be listening to any other no. episodes unless I absolutely have to f- for news. No, but he has said that it's about yes. relationships. Yes, it's not about pop culture. pop culture, but I just, wow. Hats off to you, Jesse. <laughs> Chris has always just loved pop culture, and I think it's so nice that he has this little blog. <laughs> obsessed obsessed it really really (laughs) makes me like jesse palmer even more uh also one of the other big reactions to chris's initial pod episodes uh nick vial uh was one of the people mentioned as gunning for chris's job and like smelling blood in the water yeah on one of his podcasts one of his he has two women who work on the vile files with him. And one of them was sort of like recapping for him what Chris said. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, Nick, you didn't even listen to the podcast. It was like all news to him. He's like, he said, I, he said I was gunning for his job. Really? Really? I'm like, Nick, you should have, should have listened to the whole thing. But no, I, I think that that was a a pretty fair summation of how he addressed Nick. He also was hurt. it, It seemed that, Chris did not list him as one of the people who reached out to be supportive during this difficult time. And so his response, uh, having just heard these little snippets, was, I'm not mad at Chris. I'm just disappointed. And he did say, which and, I agree with, he's like, Chris should maybe take some more accountability for what he actually did. Which, yeah, not not announce, not announce in those <laughs> podcast episodes. It is just so funny to have it sandwiched with like, I'm really disappointed in Chris that he didn't mention that how supportive I was, nice I was him. of him for that bad thing that he did that he should take more accountability for. <laughs> he also was like, Sean Lowe would have taken that job if he was offered it. And I was like, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Who wouldn't? Sure. Pro- probably. Um, he was like, Chris and I are not like besties, but like, you know, we've had like a good relationship and. I don't know why he would like come for me. And Chris. Then Chris responded oh, I, on his I love podcast. That Chris just like buckled immediately. He's like, he's like, I was that wasn't shade. That wasn't shade at all. <laughs> Nick is a friend of mine, which is why we're having this conversation via podcast. Our podcast. <laughs> Nick was very supportive of me when I was going through all of this. He defended my character. And you know what? This is what friends do. They created a new cycle for each other benefiting both of their podcasts about their feud, which was then resolved within three exchanges. So hats off. Good job, guys. <sighs> Very real. Frankly, I'm just glad I didn't have to listen to Chris's podcast episode in order to discuss this. Yeah, I I don't think I can take any more. I cannot. Of that. I, I, I think of, I like to think of the podcast sort of like in Jesse's terms. You know, in the episode of The Office when Creed wants a blog? Yeah. And so one of his younger coworkers sets him up with a word doc <laughs> called like Creed yeah. Thoughts so that they'll never get published. That's how I like to think of Chris's podcast. It's, it's like his, he's doing yeah. his thing. It doesn't have to affect me. No, I'm just glad he has his hobbies. <laughs> yeah. 
he has this beautiful office so, we saw yes. in an architectural spread. And I hope he's just out here yeah. talking away into his little mic. Yeah, just like us. Like, we all need our little hobbies. Uh, some of us do hobbies in a tiny closet full of junk, and some of us do them in professional studios and then go home to our temperature-regulated wine room. <laughs> but uh, other than that, we're the same. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back to talk about some clapbacks and some mommy shaming. That's right. We're going to be talking about Tia Booth. Can you keep up? I like love it. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes there will be something that is just like nagging at me, bothering me about something in my life, and I just swirl it around and around and around in my head and don't quite know how to address it. And something that can really help me sort that through and like take action is therapy. I completely agree. I've been really stressed lately because I've just been getting sick over and over again. And before I know it, I'm feeling a lot of emotions and I don't even connect where they're coming from with the actual origin. We all carry around these stressors, right? And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a great safe space to get things off of your chest and figure out how to actually work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash love to see it today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash love to see it. Okay, so you got engaged. Congrats. Now you may be wondering what comes next. If you're planning a wedding, the first thing you need to know about is Zola. With Zola, you can plan your entire wedding in one convenient place. From the day you get engaged and search for the venue to the day you send out your save the dates, make your registry, and even taste your cake. Zola has literally everything you need to make the whole process super easy and actually even enjoyable. There's even a five-star app that helps you plan on the go or, you know, from your couch, which is certainly how, uh, if I was planning a wedding, I would definitely want to do it as loungily as possible. <laughs> so important. I also just know myself. I, I know that planning any kind of event, like even a birthday party, can get very stressful. And so it's been really cool to see friends use Zola. It really seems to make everything a lot less stressful. And as a frequent wedding attender, I love to be able to hop on that Zola registry and just purchase a gift. Easy peasy. I know I've done it. I won't forget. Thank you, Zola. Yeah, everything's all in the same place. It's perfect. Start planning at Zola.com. That's Z-O-L-A.com. I am so glad that it's finally warming up. And it also means that I just want to have fun this summer and I don't want to be worrying about meal prep. And luckily... I can do something about that with Factor, especially because they have so many meal options like Protein Plus, 
keto, vegetarian, something for every diet. Their fresh, never frozen meals are ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every single week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Make your whole day delicious. From breakfast to dessert, stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. I love having a few factor meals just sitting in my fridge, especially because I work from home. It's so nice to finish up a taping and not have to figure out what to cook myself. Just look in my fridge and be like, oh, in two minutes, I can be eating mushroom chicken thighs and wild rice or tomato basil chicken risotto or Santa Fe style green chili beef skillet. And they always have a nice like vegetable side. It feels well-balanced. I feel full after, and it's not a headache at all. Head to factormeals.com slash LTSI50 and use code LTSI50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code LTSI50 at factormeals.com slash LTSI50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Oh, I'm so happy the weather is finally turning. If you, like me, have been wanting to update your wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune, then Quince is for you. You can build up a lineup of timeless pieces that will keep you looking effortlessly chic year after year. Like premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings right on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, as well as premium fabrics and finishes. I love Quince for all these staples. I mean, linen is my favorite summer fabric. They have so many amazing linen staples. I also found my new go-to like summer running around to the playground in the coffee shop bag. It's the pebbled Italian leather front sling bag. I can just fit a wallet and my phone and my AirPods in it, maybe some lip balm. Absolutely perfect. I'm so obsessed with it. And the price was exactly what I wanted to. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash LTSI for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash LTSI to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash LTSI. Anyone who's been listening to this podcast for a while or even not that long knows that we love article. I mean, honestly, I'm looking around my home right now. Coffee tables from article. That lovely chair out on my deck. Article. Our big console. Article. I'm My bed frame. Article. This is an article household. It is. And it's, I mean, it was an inspiration to me. We finally got our first article piece of furniture recently, our new couch. And my husband and I are both constantly just like, how did we live before this couch? This is such an improvement over what we had before. It's so comfortable. It just seems to get more comfortable every day. I mean, it's the couch you dream of. 
And the reason that we have both been able to find ideal furniture on Article is because Article believes in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their online-only model, they have some really delightful prices, too. Their curated assortment of mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandi, and boho designs makes furniture shopping simple. And their team of designers are all about finding that perfect balance between style, quality, and price because we all want the best of all of those three things united in one piece of furniture, right? Plus, they're dedicated to thoughtful craftsmanship that stands the test of time and, you know, looks good doing it. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash LTSI, and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash LTSI for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. And we are back. Let's talk about this, Claire. I know this is something that you have a lot of feelings about. And I am glad that you remembered to add this to our doc because I saw this when it happened. And I, you know, even as a non-parent was kind of affronted by the response that Tia received. Tia Booth recently had a baby named Tatum. um, And on her Instagram, she talked about the fact that she and her partner hired a night nurse a couple of nights a week to help out. Yeah, so that they can get some sleep just just yeah. once or twice a week. Doesn't she also ask. acknowledged up front when she first talked about this, she said, like, I'm aware that this is, like, we're so lucky to be able to do this. Yeah. And she posted a comment she had received that said, not trying to be mean, but having a child is taking responsibility and bonding with your baby in the middle of the night when they wake not hiring someone to do it for you so you can sleep. I'm sorry. Yeah. Tia defended (sighs) their decision. She said, I'm able to be a better mom during the day when I can think and know my baby was so loved on and taken care of the night before. I don't have family here. Neither does Taylor. This is our help a few nights a week. She asked that people stop freaking mom shaming and pointed out that moms who have been first-time moms will say, do what's best for you and your family, and then shame you and lose respect for you for needing help. We can only be praised when we're exhausted and doing it all alone. It's insanity. (sighs) This is, like, so... This made me so mad. Like, yes, night nurses are a luxury. They're expensive. That makes sense. You are paying someone to stay at your home all Right, and it's a lot of labor. easy work. And odd hours. Like, that's labor that should be compensated. And it's shitty that it's not accessible to everyone. But I do want to say that help for new moms is actually not new. It's not limited to the wealthy. It's actually, I think, an even greater privilege is to have close family members who are willing to come stay and help out with the baby. And that has been going on since the dawn of time. Like this idea that new moms should shoulder all of the -the round-the-clock care that infants need is new. Like, it's actually ingrained in a lot of more traditional communities that, like, women from the community will, and and even girls, like, in some cases, will just, like, go to a new mom's house and stay. It's the whole it takes a village mentality. Yeah, because it is an insane amount of work. And let me tell you, you are getting a ton of bonding with the baby, even if you get to sleep through a few night wakings here and there. Also, like, a night nurse might mean 
you know, that they bring the baby to you to nurse, but then they take care of the diaper change and getting the baby. Yeah, that's back how I, I have a lot of friends who, especially in the first month or two, had a night nurse to help out. And that did not preclude them from spending a ton of time with their child, bonding with their child, taking responsibility for their child. Yeah, it allowed their baby to be brought to them so they could wake up, feed, and then go back right back to sleep. Yeah. And I will say I did not hire a night nurse for various reasons. The expense, the lack of space. We lived in a one-bedroom apartment. I felt weird about having a stranger in the apartment during this time that was like really vulnerable for me. I kind of wanted to like do it all myself or, you know, with with Greg. But it's very common in New York City. A lot of people don't have family nearby. And if they can afford it, you know, it can be a lifesaver. And like, I don't like, regret my decision per se, but I will say that not having help at night, I was completely destroyed. Like I got very little sleep mentally and physically. Like you can just see it looks like in those old photos, like I have instantly aged a decade. Like I, it was difficult to like keep a train of thought. Like I was so tired and I don't think I would have been a worse mom for taking better care of myself. I was my child's primary caretaker and I probably would have done a better job if I had gotten more sleep. Like I I just like can't wrap my head around people thinking that the normal, healthy, correct way that this has always been done is for just like a woman to take on 100% of the -the round-the-clock care that a baby requires. Just a single person. That's never how it's been done. It also just speaks to me this, like, very fucked-up idea that we have in the culture about what motherhood entails. And this idea of, like, to be a mother is to be a martyr and is to give Mm -hmm. everything of yourself physically, mentally, emotionally, all of your rest, like— you have to deny all of that to yourself. And that's what being a good mom is. That's what being a parent is. And guess what? That makes parenting something a lot of people don't want to do. Like knowing yeah. that there is no support out there for you. Yeah. That makes parenting a lot less appealing. Yeah. And it makes it look, you know, I think for a lot of parents, even who choose to do it, Maybe we only have one kid. Maybe we only have two. You know, I'm one of three. I always thought maybe I would have three. When you see how much care one baby requires and you imagine doing that again and again, there's going to be no help. There's going to be no relief. Childcare is going to be insanely expensive. You start to be like, how much do I want that? Do I want it enough to to go through that until I'm ground into dust? I just also think it's Um, so incredibly gross to come at people in public spaces, like on the internet and shame them for making choices that they've determined are right for them. Like, just shut the fuck up. I'm sorry. Just like, just stop. You don't need a comment. It just makes me, it it, it makes me crazy. Like if her mom had come to stay to do this, would anyone have fucking said anything? But like, that's not always an option. Do you know how much I would have loved for my mom to, to be there the first month my, my baby was born to help me? But that couldn't happen. And like, and a lot of people do have that. That's what makes it seem right. more possible I have friends to survive who, p- new parenthood. Who moved when they had kids in order to have access to that 
you know, free childcare essentially. And that makes a lot of sense. Having help makes a lot of sense, but like, yeah, if you have no, if you don't have people who are offering that and you can afford a night nurse, like why wouldn't you do that? And I, I even had more like, unlike Tia, my mother-in-law lives nearby, you know, a couple hours away when Greg was traveling at night and I was exclusively pumping. Let me tell you, there is nothing like round the clock feeding a baby that is exclusively pumping because you have to pump and then feed the baby a bottle and then wash the bottle and then, or put the baby back to like, I was getting like one and a half hours of sleep at a time, unless my mother-in-law was there to give Max the bottle while I pumped and cleaned up. And like the difference that that can create for a new parent is enormous. And like, I just, the thought of like telling someone that they're not taking responsibility or bonding with their baby because they're willing to accept a little help here and there is it's so cruel Disgusting. No one tells dads they're not bonding with the baby because they're not with the baby literally 100% of the time. They're just like, oh, is the mom not, can't, can't the mom take care of the baby? Why do you need paternity leave? What are you going to do? Go golfing? Ugh. I, this yeah. made me very angry. Tia, we support you and we support new moms and new parents. Making the decisions that are right for them. And to get also, a like, time that is very challenging. Also, the culture and the society should change to offer more support for everyone. Yeah. The end. The end rant. <sighs> Speaking of former hosts of Clickbait, <laughs> Tia obviously took a, a step back from Clickbait when she had Tatum. We learned recently that Natasha. Parker is leaving clickbait permanently. Yes, she announced this in an episode that dropped January 12th called A New Adventure for Natasha. And she said she's, quote, not going to get into the who, what, where's, and why's. I wish she would. in the last, I know. (laughs) Uh, She was very vague in a way that has fueled a lot of speculation. She said in the last six months, she's seen some things from the franchise that have made it hard for her to be someone who puts love and light into the world. So I think a lot of people's minds instantly went to the previous blackface scandal with Eric Schwer um, and how badly the franchise handled that and how they, you know, how it was able to be addressed on the franchise podcasts and um, how it was addressed by the show in a broader sense. And whether it was just, like, too much of a strain to continue working on, like, an official show outlet um, when they are mishandling yeah. those issues so so frequently Which and so badly. obviously is extremely understandable. And um, if that is why she stepped back, or, like, for whatever reason she stepped back, I we obviously support her taking a step back yeah. from the franchise and I mean that's not like there have been herself. other things that have been going super great I think it, it you know it could be that it could be that and or you know the two bachelorette situation and what a mess that was and the way that um a lot of recent um recently there's been a lot of discussion too of how 
people who go on the show like Clayton have suffered a lot of mental health, bullying and harassment and mental health issues. Um, So it it might just be a more general sense of like this show causes harm and I don't feel comfortable being a part of it. We don't know. And maybe we will never know unless she decides to really speak on it. But honestly, like good for her for stepping back. And I think we've seen that a lot of people who have been officially tied up with the show, especially black women who are put in the position to be kind of official or adjacent official uh, spokespeople for the show. It's a lot. It's too much. They receive like a lot of abuse as a result. And so I totally understand why she would not want to do that anymore. And she said she'd probably stop watching the show also, which I understand. (laughs) It seems like a lot of people are doing that. Um, She emphasized that she loves the podcast still. She loves her, you know, her co-host. She loves podcasting. She's just stepping back from the franchise. So she's apparently planning to come back with a non-bachelor podcast at some point. And now it's just Joe in the bed. We're left with Joe. <laughs> Joe Joe will be there till he dies. I don't know. <laughs> it really is. I don't think that it is intentional or even the choice of... I'm sure they would love a little more consistency. Clearly, this was very much Natasha's yeah. choice to leave and Tia's choice. But, like, it is getting weird how the women come and go, but Joe is just always there. It's, like, very Hollywood. (laughs) Like, always a new starlet, but always, like, George Clooney and Brad Pitt. Oh, my God. It's so true. (laughs) But it's Joe. Um, Yeah, so now he just has rotating guest hosts, like his fiance, Serena P, Gabby, like, what how how can they how can they figure out a way to keep some female hosts? I don't know. Maybe Tia will be back. Yeah, yeah. I guess what would they I do if we'll everyone see. It looks like sur- what if Joe was like, I want to go full time with the sauce. I'm just going to be a saucier. A I support sauce for purveyor. Him. You know, maybe maybe so he they, that would they just have two guests, or maybe hosts? they would just <laughs> shut down this podcast. <laughs> That's kind of what what I the direction I was hoping for. Exactly. Yeah, it looks I'm like sorry, the, I've never the, enjoyed clickbait. the latest episode. <laughs> Serene was the guest yes. host, and then they had Daniel, Tyler, and Nate on. Okay. So I don't know. I guess. I guess we shall yeah. see. It's like the guest hosts are blurring with the guests. <laughs> They're like, we have four people on. Three of them are guests, and one is my guest co-host. I yeah. guess the lady um, is always the guest co-host because they need one of those to balance out yeah. Joe. Uh, yeah. I will be. So. Will, well, I guess we'll see how they really move forward. But um, we wish Natasha all the best and some peace and happiness and distance from this franchise and best of luck in all of her future endeavors. I'm excited to see what she does. Everyone's doing podcasts these days. It's rude. Tyler Cameron has one. Just cutting into our bread and butter. Brie has one. Oh, yeah. Brie has one. Chelsea Vaughn has one. I can't even keep up. I guess we did lose a couple recently because we lost um, Talking It Out yeah. and Bachelors in the City. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> but they keep cropping up. Um, I love the bachelors in the city just like burn too bright with that podcast defending Nate. And they were like, all right, bye. Yeah, we're done. We don't need this. <laughs> um, all right. Enough about bachelor podcasts. Let's talk about babies. Adam Gottschalk and Raven Gates are having a second child. Congrats to them. Uh, they announced, of course, on Instagram with like a family photo sonogram shot, classic influencer birth announcement. And the caption said, any tips on two under two? Pray for us. Um, Raven wrote that she is due in July, but they have not announced the sex of the baby. I'm sure I'm sure there will be a gender reveal. It just really feels like oh, there will be. God, I hate I hate them so, so much. much. I think they should be banned. <laughs> um, but we just know that it's always likely coming. Well, they've got to they've got to do maybe there'll be a sprinkle gender reveal sprinkle and then, you know, so much baby content when the baby comes. Diana Pappas and Steven Stagliano are getting divorced after 11 years of marriage. Mm. This is an interesting couple. They are very Bachelor adjacent, but they are not a Bachelor couple. They did not meet on The Bachelor, but they are both connect. They are connected through The Bachelor. So she was The Bachelorette. She met Steven through his twin brother, Michael, who was on Jillian Harris's season. And also Bachelor Pad course who could forget and um so they met because of the show and they were together 11 years they have two children and they posted a joint statement to instagram saying it is with immense sadness Stephen and i have decided to end our relationship as a couple we've been working hard for a long time both as a married couple and as individuals and have come to the conclusion to remain separate remain separate so that makes it sound like they were already separated yeah it's it's unclear. Yeah. It seems like they were they were struggling for a little while, you know. Yeah, I just think the phrase "remain separate" really, yeah, doesn't make sense unless you're already separated. Yeah. Um, but presumably they did not want to like go public. That they were, if so, um, yeah, yeah, very sad. We wish them the best. Wish them the best, and also, um. Yeah, I think like sometimes relationships end, even really successful ones. And I'd call 11 years of marriage and raising two children together. Like, that's not a failure. Yeah. Well, yeah, it is rough for the kids, but that's life. Um, it's also it's rough sad, to, think, to be a kid a, a family raised up. by parents who are not getting along. Of course, I just think it's it's sad. Like it's hard for me to be like that worked out and was great for everyone. No, I don't think that's what I mean. I don't think that anyone wanted that. No, I don't think that anyone um, goes into a long term relationship wanting it to end or assuming it will. Um, But I'm just saying, like, I respect that they made the best decision for them and their family. And um, yeah, it just it sounds really hard to have to do that in public. Yeah. Like it really shows you also just the ta- the long tail that exists for people who are a part of this franchise. That mm-hmm. like she has not been on this show for so long and yet her marriage remains like a point of public public. Well, if you interest. maintain any kind of public profile, right. it's 
people are going to care when you get married or when you get divorced. And so you have to, um, even if they otherwise, that's sort of what this podcast is. We're like, remember that guy? (laughs) He's getting married. Um, so yes, we wish them the best. Uh, Kristen Cavallari confirmed that she was on a date with Tyler Cameron, as we previously speculated. They were out together New Year's Eve and also like went to lunch the day before. And there was a lot of a lot of speculation about whether this was a date or whether they were just hanging out as friends. But she said that her last date was public and was New Year's Eve weekend. So she was like, you can Google it if you want to know. And I was like, I don't need to Google it. I already know. I already did a (laughs) podcast segment about it. So so you know what? Again, we love that crossover content. Go forth. Right. Either they're actually dating or they do actually want us to think they're actually dating. Um, So that gives us a little bit more clarity about what's going on there. Some sort of dating, (laughs) real or otherwise. (laughs) Speaking of dating, a Bachelor producer, Alana Fouts, Fouts, um, posted a pretty fun TikTok about her love story with her current boyfriend, who is fellow Bachelor producer, Scott Marson. They found love in a hopeless place. They found love in a hopeless place while making Bachelor in Paradise. Um, And (laughs) apparently when they first met, she was engaged to someone else. And I'm like, this is a better story than like anything I've seen on this show in years. (laughs) I know. Well, this is what I always envision a Bachelor, like rom-com or romance novel would revolve around is like something that would be off screen, not engineered. It's um, so just good. Like in, in that setting, but somehow still taboo. And they were, they were told it was a terrible idea to date. And they tried to resist because they're working together on this very intense show. Right. It's, it's an expo like, what if it doesn't work out? Um, but in the end, they succumbed to their powerful love yeah. for each other. Yeah, it seems like they've been together for certainly more than a year now and seem very happy. And you know what? I love that for them. And someone, please make a rom-com about this. Yeah. It is sort of like there was an element of this in Unreal, which is like... It was just darker. The real heroine is this producer who can't get her shit together. Yes, and every guy wants to be with the her. problem is that show just had, um, that a, was had my, a lot that of that was murder. actually my favorite part of unreal same that's what i wanted and instead <laughs> they were just like what if a lot of people died in crazy yeah, so ways? much death <laughs> i was like i don't know <laughs> once the people started dying yeah it was it was too much it was it went off the rails yeah but i love these kind of stories and i was really delighted by this tiktok yeah I still think the most romantic thing that's ever happened on the show is like when that camera guy was in the woman's room and he had to jump out to escape. And I'm like, <laughs> look at that self-sacrifice, romance, hidden passion. Tell me more about that. Um, so congr- congrats on the love, Alana and Scott. Speaking of love, we had a big engagement in Bachelor Nation. Since we last, since we last did gossip. Nick Vile and his girlfriend, Natalie Joy, got engaged in a maximally big production way. Congratulations to the two of them. 
he like orchestrated an entire fake formal event at a warehouse. Yes. Where they were going to meet Tom Hanks, America's dad, for a fake screening of his new movie, A Man Called Otto, and like a Q&A. And this was all set up so that he had an excuse to get her to this warehouse in full glam. Like she, she was like, I was going to do my own makeup. And he was like, I can't let that happen. You have to be in full glam. You're going he to like, meet Tom He like got his publicist in on it to text Natalie and be like, I don't know. This is going to be pretty like high profile. It's worth it. Like do glam. <laughs> this was intricate. And <laughs> there were like paid extras at the event to reinforce the story. He also invited a bunch of friends so that he could surprise her at this warehouse with a bunch of candles and then the like, friends were at their apartment. A lavish we're, we're proposal at their house. in front of friends. The friends were at their oh, house, okay. not at the proposal. Why did I see Victoria? Victoria and Greg, and Greg were present because they to make the event feel real, they were went they were like, Oh, we were also invited to this screening. We're and the oh, four okay. of them went to dinner ahead of time. I swear I listened to the whole podcast about this, but not all of it penetrated. Um, yes, Victoria and Greg were there, but their other friends were, were waiting at their house and and set up like a (laughs) whole full on engagement party. It's just so funny to like, whenever they do this, but this is like the most stark contrast to compare it to like my proposal, which was like after work in our apartment. And like, I knew it was coming because it was the last day in the window of time <laughs> that we had like discussed it would happen. Oh my God, But I was Greg. not in full glam at all. I know it was, it was, listen, it is what it is. But um, I don't think I would have wanted this either. <laughs> it was like a lot. People have different personalities. She was like in the center of a warehouse, like surrounded by people while a big video of Nick talking to her like played. And then they got engaged in front of all these like extras. I think the extras were like, were I, not actually there that. because the whole they were told like you go in one at a time. So when they were actually in there, it was just Natalie. <laughs> it was just, but them. also a videographer. But there were lots of photos. yeah, a videographer yes. and a photographer who are their friends. Um, but Aww. yeah, it seemed v- it was obviously very involved. Nick was like, "I did, I did make that fake flyer on Canva, and you know what? I believe that." Um, Canva Pro <laughs> Canva, is magic. Canva can make anyone look like a professional. Exactly. Even, even us. us. Um, but yeah, they they obviously got like maximum content out of this. Um it like it seemed very beautiful and exactly what they wanted. Yeah. They did a very long episode of the Vile Files recounting the whole process starting from when they first discussed getting engaged up until the point where they were at the engagement party and he kept asking her to wash her pits because she was getting B.O. And I was like, now I know everything. Stars. I know it They're all. just like us. They um, are. Obviously, there were a bunch of their bachelor friends at this engagement party. I think like Jason, Rodney, Nate, Wells, and Sarah, Ashley and Jared flew in. Seemed like a fun time. Yeah. Congrats to them. They seem really, really happy. And that's lovely. Yeah. We're very happy for them. Congratulations, friends. Um, Also, apparently, Greg and Victoria are like their best friends now. That 
It happened so fast. Yeah, Victoria, I guess, has been very close to Natalie for a while. And so I think that the the new coupling really just solidified it. Now now they're now they're a, now now they're they're a foursome. foursome. <laughs> um and in more engagement news, Kaylin and Dean had an engagement party that same. I weekend. was just like, this is an embarrassment of riches of content. And it seemed like there were at least a handful of people that were at both engagement parties. So I was like, they had a wild, they had a very wild week. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine you're just like going to LA to just spend the whole time celebrating engagements. Seems fun. Um, Kaylin yeah. indeed similarly had an engagement party that was as fancy and well-planned as a wedding. Gorgeous details. It looked beautiful. They have all these like very romantic photos of them in like, she's wearing a gorgeous like silk white or cream crop top with like a Jennifer bear, like pearl beaded bow and a flouncy skirt. And she is walking in the rain with a clear umbrella. It's just like, it's full on. Yeah, it looks like maybe more expensive than my wedding, which was... If you can get a, a nice lot of wedding. stuff sponsored, you know. Can... <laughs> That's Well, yeah. I'm sure they didn't pay for all of it out of pocket. Um, yeah, it's just very, uh, very like, um, beachy. And there was, like, a full-on, like, tables and a photo booth. And, like, again, like a wedding. Yeah, yeah. A decorative wall of champagne glass. So pretty. It was very pretty. Um, <laughs> guests included Jess Clark, Ben, or Jessica Higgins, Ben Higgins' wife, Sarah Highland, Hannah Ann, Becca Tilly. I'm sure there were more that I that I missed. Yeah, but it looked they're forming like a whole a whole reality TV like socialite scene. Yeah, they're just like our job is to go to each other's engagement parties and weddings looking fabulous oh my god i'm like right now looking at kaylin's oh i guess the skirt was silk her crop top was like a gauzy like Mm see-through she looks stunning and dean is wearing a great like linen suit which i i love that (laughs) look for him he is very linen suit he's a linen suit guy and i'm into it yeah I really see him like I could see him wearing a linen suit and and bare feet to to a beach wedding, <laughs> if if that's the direction they saw. I go. absolutely could see that too. Um. So congrats to them. This is like our third congrats of them because they each did a big proposal to each other and now they're having a party and it's like guys, save some enthusiasm for your wedding. <laughs> oh my god! I just. Oh my God, it's going to be a big next year for wedding content. Kaylin and Dean, Nick and Natalie, Becca and Thomas, yeah. Serena and Joe. Me, a lot of weddings. Oh, a lot of content. It's going to be, it is going to be a lot. This is not a wedding, but it is some, some happy love news for night one girl, Olivia M, or Dib, as her Instagram handle terms her. She was sent home after night one on Zach's season. But this allowed her to do her reveal. She posted that she found love after the show on Instagram. The caption is, Renner did, however, find love with Miller, along with some romantic photos of her with her boyfriend, Mike Renner, who is a football analyst and Notre Dame alum and was an early exit from Becca's season of The Bachelorette. 
We love an early exit coupling. You're like, do <laughs> did you remember that these two people were on the Bachelor franchise at all? No. I 100% did but not remember that Mike Renner was. Is it delightful <laughs> that they're now together? Yes. I'm so happy for them. And also, I'm thrilled by all the great ND representation this season. Several photos of them, like, in front of like touchdown Jesus and like wearing their yeah, big Notre Dame big Notre gear. Dame season. And I was like, I'm sorry. Am I on a bachelor Instagram or am I on Facebook with all my old like South Bend queens? <laughs> also, I love that apparently Olivia and Mike actually dated before she went on the show and then got back together after. And I'm like, this is a classic post bachelor story. Like, you go on The Bachelor or Bachelorette, and then you're like, wow, my ex really wasn't that bad. They were great. They were actually great. We, I should, I should get with them. Or they were like, let's take a break from this relationship so that you can also go on The Bachelor and get eliminated like one night. <laughs> immediately. Hey, it's something. Um, yeah, I, I hope that all of the rest of the night one women also find love and happiness yeah reach back into that rolodex and find the ex-boyfriend of their dreams <laughs> and i think that that is about all the news and goss we have today yeah that what stay tuned we're, we're hoping for for more and more this season, i mean it look it never really truly ends there is always something <laughs> happening in the larger bachelor nation and on that note that is it for love to see it with emma and claire Love to See It is produced by us, Claire Fallon and Emma Gray and Stitcher. This episode was edited by Tamika Weatherspoon. Our theme music is by Tamar Haviv and our art is by Celine Chang. Josephine Martirana is our executive producer. If you like our show, please remember to follow us wherever you get your podcasts and rate us five stars and leave a review. And of course, spread the word about our show to all of your friends. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at clarinemmapod at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter and TikTok at Love to See It Pod and Instagram at clarinemmapod. And you can find our newsletter and second podcast, Rich Text, on Substack at clarinemma.substack.com. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram at Claire E. Fallon. And I'm at Emma Lady Rose. We'll be back next week with more Burzaki. Stitcher. Suffering from aches and pains? The all-new Tempur-Pedic Adapt Mattress eases your pressure points all night, every night. Now, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets at TempurPedic.com. Select adjustable mattress sets only. Lesser savings may apply. If you have kids or pets, you know stains and odors in your carpet and upholstery are inevitable. But the experts at ChemDry can help. ChemDry removes odors and stubborn stains by sending millions of carbonating bubbles deep within your carpet. ChemDry lifts dirt, urine, and stains to the surface to then be extracted away, giving you a cleaner and healthier home. Call 1-800-CHEMDRY or visit ChemDry.com to connect with your local ChemDry and learn about special offers in your area. That's 1-800-CHEMDRY or visit ChemDry.com today. 